there is a sense that I I do want you to lead, right? I do want to feel your attraction. I want to feel your your leadership. And I will just own my own experience where I think that I haven't always been clear, right, on whether, you know, this was the moment or that was the moment. And part of it was because sometimes I was nervous. So before we start this episode, I have a great celebration from one of our clients who joined our program to generate more polarity with his wife and in partnership. And this is his celebration. I'm feeling more comfortable with being decisive and taking action when necessary. I don't have to bring all the answers or even initiate all the questions. My wife is an amazing source of ideas and energy. I need only be present, listen carefully, and lead decisively from my heart. She continues to accept my evolution gracefully. Recently, we had a special day date. My wife spent extra time getting ready and choosing her outfit. We were in a good place in our interactions and had a really fun afternoon. I realized later that she had really dropped into her feminine and our polarity was in place. We had fun and laughs and maybe even sex in the back room of a restaurant, (laughs) which I love. I actually think my favorite part about that celebration is I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't even need to initiate all the questions. I just need to be present and listen and lead decisively from my heart. And I think that's one of the themes that has come up a lot recently is that you don't have to know everything in order to lead. You just have to be willing to bring things up and hold space and be present and listen closely and then lead from there to the next thing. And I think that theme comes up in several of the questions for this episode. So it sort of dovetails and I'm excited for you to listen. So our first question is, how do I rebuild trust with a partner after a rupture or a lack of leading over time? Which I think is really interesting because those are two different things and they can lead to the same place, which is a lack of trust. So that question, how do I rebuild trust with a partner? I think there's, this is something I've been thinking a lot about in terms of time and how long it takes for certain things to happen and how certain things happen over time. I'll give you an example. I I work with couples as well as single men. And in one of my recent couples sessions, we were talking about a pattern where, um, Sometimes he'll forget to do something and, you know, like pick something up from the store or something that she's asked him to do. And in the beginning of their relationship, she got more upset about that because she felt like he would be reluctant to go back out to the store or to go back downstairs or whatever, whatever it was that she'd asked him to do. And as it turned out, he was completely fine with going back out to the store or going back downstairs. It didn't phase him at all. It was a total not event for him. It was just like, oh yeah, I forgot. I'll go back downstairs. So over time, what happened was that um, she basically 
learned that he didn't mind and that he was going to follow through on what he said he was going to do. He was going to do it. It just sometimes he had to be reminded. Often he had to be reminded. And so her nervous system calmed down over time and she stopped being upset about it and instead was sort of like, would sort of laugh at it or just, you know, brush it off as not a big deal. And this took probably a year or more. It took a long time. It took many, many times of him not making a big deal out of it, not, you know, getting mad at her for whatever reason. Um, cause I think that's something when we've made a request of someone and then they don't, haven't done it. And then we have to ask again. I think sometimes I, at least I'm afraid that they'll be mad at me for reiterating, like, actually, could you, could you get that done? And my point here is that it took almost a year and when we were talking about it in our session, um, there are certain things that happen in relationships that have to do with our partner. And there are certain things that happen that have to do with us. There's no way that you can rush someone in their process. If they, for example, are triggered by something like feeling left out, you might have no intention of leaving them out and they will feel left out in certain circumstances. It's just going to take them a while to recover from that and to understand that you are not intending to leave them out when certain things happen. So rebuilding trust is an interesting concept because I think sometimes we want to rush that process, right? After there's been a rupture, there's been an argument or a conflict, we want, and we've let someone down. I'm specifically thinking about circumstances where you've actually let someone down, right? You've, you've let them down. They feel they've felt dropped or hurt for good reason. And you kind of know that you, that you messed up, right? That, that something happened that caused a rupture. And sometimes it can be really painful to sit in that space of them still being angry or them still being disappointed or them still being closed, right? Closed or cold or just not quite as open as they were. That can be a really painful place to sit in because we want to be close to them. We want them to forgive us, be over it, you know, make up with us. And the truth is that you you really can't rush that process. So when it comes to how do I rebuild trust, you know, there's several things that I want to say, but the first is one of the ways that you rebuild trust is by not rushing them. And that goes energetically as well as, you know, actually saying, saying things about it, really giving them the space and the time and the grace. Another way that you rebuild trust is validating them. I had a rupture with a man in my life and I, this was, I think last winter. And I remember, um, you know, coming to him at some point, it's it's a little bit of a longer story, but I'm going to shorten it and saying like, I felt really, I felt really dropped at that point. And I think I haven't really been able to fully trust you again since that point. And his response was, that makes sense. That was a really hard time. And I did drop you. I wasn't there for you in the way that you needed. And I'm sorry. And to be clear, he had already apologized last winter and we had, we had repaired to the extent that it was possible to repair because when there's a big breach, when there's a big rupture, when there's a, a big moment of feeling dropped or alone or isolated or just not held, um, disappointed, let down by one partner or the other, it can take a while. It, it's not, it's not, 
it's a pretty big deal. So my point here is that one of the things that you can do to rebuild trust is to validate the person's experience. Yes, you're right. That happened. I'm sorry. That's true. I did drop you or I didn't show up or whatever the, the truth is, whatever, whatever, however you want to phrase it. Even if you've said it before, I want to be clear that you know, we, we say this all the time, but it's really true. If you're dealing with a partner with borderline personality disorder, you might, this is, this is not what we're describe what I'm describing here. If you're dealing with someone who never forgives and never forgets and never opens again and never, um, gives you a chance, that's a separate category. I'm talking about, you know, in, in the realm of people who are able to forgive and are able to open up again, there's something really healing. There was something healing for me in that moment, for example, of him just validating my experience, just validating it, just saying, yeah, that makes sense. I I hear you. That was a really big, that I dropped you and I'm sorry. So sometimes even months later or even years later, just validating the person's experience really helps in rebuilding trust. The other thing that I want to say is um, actually, um, yeah, validating and making it normal that it is taking them time to rebuild trust. So saying something like, honestly, I didn't lead in our relationship for a long time and I know that that had an impact on you and you had to pick up a lot of slack because I wasn't showing up right? I wasn't showing up the way that I needed to for you to feel safe, for you to feel secure, for you to feel held. And I'm sorry. And I'm showing up now. And I understand that it's going to take some time, right? It's going to take some time for me to actually earn your trust back. I understand that this is a process and I'm here for it. I'm here for it. So what that does is it kind of, it validates, it affirms sort of the first thing we were talking about, which is this doesn't have to go faster for me. I have space. I have time. I'm here. And that kind of leads me into the third thing that you can do to rebuild trust, which is just hold the pose. Just hold the pose. Keep affirming, keep validating, keep showing up, keep, um, I want to say doing better, but that's not exactly what I mean. But if you, so if you haven't been leading, you know, start leading and keep leading and give it time, give it time. It takes time. And sometimes it takes longer than we think. Um, but it can happen. It does happen. You know, there are lots of couples that come back from pretty big breaches of trust when, when they're both participating. So how do I rebuild trust with a partner is, I think one of the most important skills that we that we have to learn, especially in repair, because what we don't want to do is shame the person for still being closed, right? So in my case, you know, last winter, I was a little bit more guarded with that man. I was more closed. I was more guarded. I wasn't as open or available or um, I wasn't like how I was before because I felt dropped. And there was a certain level of acceptance that he needed to bring of that that makes sense. Like that is a consequence of what happened here. And he didn't shame me for that. He didn't make me wrong for not being over it or not being completely back to quote normal. So I think that's 
another example of holding the pose of just understanding that this is a process and it's going to take time and not making the other person wrong for, for not being over it yet, for not being through it. Um, I know for me, I had a, a rupture with a friend and she, you know, we, we did our repair process and then there was another kind of mini flare up of what had happened. And in one of my voice notes to her, I said, I just want to acknowledge that it makes sense that you're upset about this again, because I think there's still, we're still in the process of me rebuilding your trust and it takes time. And when there's a flare up, it can feel like it did, you know, at the beginning or, you know, back a few months ago. And I'm, I just want you to know, like, I'm, I'm here, I'm listening. I, I do want to know what's going on for you. And, um, I acknowledge that we're still, we're still in that process. We're still in the rebuilding of trust process. And that's, that's kind of where we are. That would be an example of holding the pose, naming what's going on, leading with vulnerability and kind of yeah, making it normal, right? Instead of getting defensive, like, why are you bringing up this thing? I thought this was resolved. Um, We talked about this months ago. Why are we still talking about this? That is not the way to rebuild trust. You really want to be affirming and acknowledging the length of time that it takes to rebuild trust, which is different for every person and has a lot to do with how long, you know, how many breaches of trust they've had in their past, what their background is and just their general constitution. For some people, it's going to take longer and for some people, it's not. But that's my answer to that question. And um, if anyone has anything else to share about that, I'd be curious to hear. You can always get me at dearmenpodcast at gmail.com and we will move on to the next one. So next question, how do I date someone in the same friend group without it getting weird? This is a great question. And we've talked about this a bit before on the podcast. So if you haven't heard that episode, I think it was another solo episode that I did where we talked about how do I date someone in a shared community? And I think this is another version of that. So a shared community would be, for example, if you um, play beach volleyball every weekend and you've got a, a certain set of people that hang out and play and maybe go get food after and just you're you're in the same group um, or a shared community like a yoga teacher training or sometimes it can even be uh, someone at work. And we did, we did that as a, actually as a separate question of how do I date someone at work or should I ask someone at work out or how does that work? Um, so if you're interested in that, I will also drop the other episode in here, but how do I date someone in the same friend group without it getting weird? So first of all, um, I think the truth is that sometimes it is going to get weird and the way that you can make it less weird is to be proactive about talking about it. So what that could sound like, for example, because the question that we get from a lot of our men is like, how do I ask this woman out? Because I feel like there are risks, right? Like I want to ask her out, but we have a lot of shared community. We have a lot of, we had, we have a lot of mutual friends and I'm worried about you know, losing her as a friend or making it weird with other people. So one of the things that you can do is you can go to her and have a conversation and say, Hey, I'd love to talk to you about something that's been on my mind. Do you have some space? Yes. Great. Listen, I am attracted to you and I would really like to ask you out, but I have some hesitations just because we have a lot of shared friends, shared community. And I just wanted to have a conversation with you about that and, you know, see if you're interested and also see what your, what your thoughts are on that. 
And then you want to be, and then you want to listen, right? You want to listen to the answer. You want to see what she says about her feelings on the matter, because I can, I can definitely stay, say for me, I have been asked out by men where we had a shared community context and he didn't acknowledge that when he asked me out and I had a lot of fears and hesitations about it. And it felt to me like the fact that his attention wasn't on that and that he wasn't including that was a red flag. So I felt less attracted to him and I felt less like I wanted to go out with him because he wasn't naming what was so. And this is something that we've talked about a lot lately in the program with our men is an alpha practice, right? We talk about alpha and omega polarity language, leading, part of leading is simply naming what is so, naming what is true, naming what is here. There's something about that, you know, alpha energy brings clarity, it brings direction, it brings focus, it brings intention. It's 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 um assertive in that way. It's not forcing it. It's not you know, um, healthy alpha is not forcing something and it's not controlling, but it is directing, it is naming. So actually naming what is so, hey, we have shared community and I have some concerns about that. I have some hesitations about that. And I really want to hear what's alive for you around that. You know, what's on your mind about that? And I'm thinking in particular of, you know, situations where, there's already kind of a vibe, right? Like you're, you're probably vibing already. There's some attraction and maybe there's some flirting and neither of you has gone for it. And you, let's say you as a man aren't sure why, if you have shared community, this could be part of why it could be like, yes, I'm interested in you too. I've thought about it too. And I really like this friend group. I've been lonely for a really long time. Um, this is one of the first groups where I really feel like I belong and I feel like I have flow here and I, I feel like I, I, yeah, I just, I feel like I belong and I really don't want to mess that up. And then for you to really listen and hear what she's saying and hold space for that, that's going to generate a lot of polarity, whether or not the two of you go out. And then what you can do from there is kind of make some agreements. You know, if you do choose to move forward, if you choose choose to go on a date or, you know, try something, you know, you can make some agreements about how we want this to go and if it starts to feel weird or if it starts to feel uncomfortable, what are we going to do? But basically what you're doing is you're including all of the truth of what's happening, which is I'm attracted to you. I really like when men lead with that because it makes it clear about what's happening. I'm attracted to you. I would like to go out with you if you're interested. And there's this other circumstance. There are these other factors that are happening and I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it with you. So there's something that happens when you lead that conversation, when you lead, she gets to feel your leadership. She gets to feel your direction. She gets to feel your um, your alpha. And that often has the impact of having her feel much safer to be transparent with you and to share actual things that are up for her. So 
there's a dance that happens between these two, between leading with vulnerability and the response that you're going to get in the moment, but also as the relationship evolves, as things unfold, as you're dating, you're more likely to get the truth from her because you led with vulnerability, because you started that conversation, because you were open and receptive and wanted to know, right? It's like, I'm going to name what's so, and I want to hear what's alive for you. And I want to share what's alive for me. That's leading. And the culture that you create when you do that is of openness and clarity. And what will, what will sometimes happen is that you will end up, you know, dating. And the, the foundation of that is honesty and openness. And so it's more likely that if things don't work out, you're still going to be able to be friends after that because you've you've established that sense of honesty and openness as this is part of how we relate. This is part of what this is part of what our connection is as we talk about things. And of course you need to sustain that as you're dating and perhaps moving into a relationship, but these initial conversations especially when there's some other complication around you two going out. So like I said, with the work context, we we covered that in another episode, whether it's the work context or shared community, just you bringing that up and being open and naming what's so is going to make it safer for her to bring up other things and to, and you can check in, right? You can check in after a few weeks, like, Hey, how are you feeling about this? You know, is anything up for you? And I really want to emphasize how much, how rare that is. It is so rare for a man to actually check in and say, hey, I'm just wondering how you're feeling about this. And is there anything alive for you that you want to share? I would love to hear. It's incredibly rare. And it's such a gift, right? It's such a gift to me as as woman, as someone holding Omega or who can hold Omega when I'm led, you know, when I'm led, it's it's a beautiful gift because it allows me to be expressed, to be more expressed, to be more honest, to be more open, to be more vulnerable, because I know that you want to know. When I am proactively bringing things up, um, I, which I do, right? I, I definitely do that. Um, there's a certain quality to that share. And often I'm nervous and, you know, sometimes I'm scared. Um and when you invite me forward, I feel safer to share. I feel safer and I feel I feel polarized. I feel like you're you're making space for me. You're creating an opening. You're inviting me into something. You're leading. You're leading. So yeah, that is my answer to that, which is um basically how do I date someone in the same friend group without it getting weird? Bring it up, have the discussion and listen closely to the answers and then move from there and then keep doing that and you know trust that you can keep having those conversations that it's not a one and done situation and that you might also have some conversations with friends that are in the friend group right we don't know where it's going to go or what's going to happen but one thing that i also would like to say here is that sometimes there are boundaries that need to be set around these kinds of situations where you don't talk about everything with everyone. And it's okay if someone asks you a question like, hey, how's it going with so-and-so to say, you know what? I think I'd rather just keep it to myself for now if that's okay. 
and just set a boundary that you're not talking about it yet, or you're not talking about it with this person. And, you know, you can make it a little playful, you can make it a little light, but you are allowed to say no to a question. Just because someone asks you about something doesn't mean you have to share with them about that thing. Healthy boundaries includes um, not talking about things when you don't want to. Okay, moving on. And final question. I went on a date with a woman and it went pretty well, but we didn't kiss at the end. I got the sense, especially in thinking back, that she wanted me to kiss her when we were outside waiting for her ride. It's tough because it's so hard to know what the right thing to do is. I've been on dates where the woman refused to be kissed even on the second date. I've had dates where the woman needed the moment to be right, and when I went for the kiss at the end of the date, she said it was too sudden. I've had dates where the woman just casually leaned in at the end of the date. It's rare that a woman actually gives me a strong sign that she wants me to kiss her. Most of the time I have to either ask or just go for it. And I feel like a lot of women expect to be kissed, but don't give any clear or strong signs that they want to be kissed. So first of all, I want to say I completely, um, I want to say collaborate, but that's the wrong word. Um, I have so much compassion for you for you men in particular around this issue, because this person who asked this question is completely right. Every woman is different. And that's true in many respects, right? It's true sexually as well as relationally. And so what different women want or like differs. And that can be confusing because it can feel like I'm trying to decode this thing. I'm not sure. Is this the moment? Is that the moment? So I guess I just want to say, this really is tough. And I feel like it's, um, you know, there is often a sense of responsibility or a sense of, you know, you know, in in polarity, we talk about leading and following, and there is a sense that I, I do want you to lead, right? I do want to feel your attraction. I want to feel your, your leadership. And I will just own my own experience where I think that I haven't always been clear, right, on whether, you know, this was the moment or that was the moment. And part of it was because sometimes I was nervous. So especially when, you know, you've gone on the date and let's say he's dropping you off in the car, there's that moment when he, you know, stops the car. And I've often thought to myself, oh my gosh, like, is he going to get out? Should I get out? You know, is he going to kiss me now? Should I do something to facilitate that? I'm not really sure. And so I'm up in my head. I'm nervous. I'm kind of like acting weird. And I think that sometimes that acting weird can come across as confusing to a man or, you know, he's not sure exactly what's going on. Is she just nervous or is she not interested? And then, you know, in other circumstances, I've been pretty clear that I wasn't wasn't interested, wasn't into it. And in that case, I sort of, you know, left the car. Like I kind of made it, made, made my exit. So I think that, I guess I just wanted to sort of validate that this is hard. Like it is confusing. It's confusing and difficult and not clear. Um, a couple of things. One is that if you don't get the signal, sometimes you can just ask. So I think I've told this story before on a podcast, but I once went on a date with a man and we went back to his place and we were sitting on the couch. We were sitting on opposite sides of the couch. We're talking about books and it was a good discussion, but it was kind of like, okay, like we're not really connecting and nothing's really happening, you know, to move it forward, especially sexually. And then he turned to me and he said, I really want to make out with you right now, but I'm not really sure how to make that happen. And I 
And I laughed and I, you know, went over to his side of the couch and we started making up. So you don't always have to, you know, I think that you can generate a lot of polarity when there is physical contact. Um, and, you know, you can al- you can also use your words. It's not, you know, you're not disallowed from using your words. It's not gonna, it's not the end of the world if you use your words. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is you haven't missed the boat if you go on a date and you you didn't kiss her, you didn't feel like there was a, the right time. Or, you know, in this person's uh, case, he had a sense, he was like looking back on the date, he was reflecting on it. It was like, man, I think that when we were outside waiting for her ride, I think that was the moment. I think she wanted me to kiss her, kind of like reflecting on like her body language or whatever it was. And I just want to say that it's never too late to generate polarity by texting her and letting her know. I just want you to know, I really wanted to kiss you when we were outside waiting for your ride and I didn't get it together, but I'm really looking forward to our next date. You you can reveal your attraction and that is often really polarizing. And it's not just polarizing in the sense of generating attraction. It's also, it creates a bond. It makes me feel like you're letting me into your world. You're, you're, you're helping me understand you. You're, um, expressing your attraction directly, which is inherently polarizing rather than having it be kind of under the surface. And there's something really endearing about it, right? There's something really endearing. And that doesn't just go for kissing or talking about a kiss, but like, I really wanted to hold your hand when we were on our walk earlier and I'm, not sure why I didn't, but I wanted to let you know that I wanted to connect with you like that. It can be anything around a moment where you held back or you didn't kind of go for it and you're reflecting and you're like, man, I wish I had gone for it. You can share that. You can reveal that. You can let her know. And that is a way of um, leading, right? That is similar to the last question or one of the previous questions when you lead, leading doesn't always mean making plans. Of course, that's part of what leading is. But leading is revealing your own experience, revealing your own self-talk, and then inviting her to share hers. In this case, I don't think you know that you have to say, I really wanted to kiss you at this point in the evening. You don't have to say, would you have been open to that? Or you don't have to, you don't have to do that in, in this particular case. But generally when you're leading and you're revealing, you're letting, you're letting someone in on how you're feeling about something. It's really helpful to also say, and how are you feeling about that? That's, a, that's a really good lead. Um, so basically, how do you know when to kiss her on a date? It's not always going to be clear. It's not, it's not always, you're not always going to know. It's not always going to be clear. If it's truly confusing, you can, um, you can use your words and you can always go in for the hug and then kind of linger and see if she lingers too, or if she's kind of like backing away, doesn't want to. And then you can sort of slowly move your face away. And if she's into it, she's going to hang out in that place, right? She's going to kind of like keep her face towards you. She's going to be receptive. If she's not into it, she's going to turn her face away or she's going to somehow back away. And then obviously you want to let her do that. So that's another hack that you can use. Um, and I'm curious to hear from any of you that are listening around this topic or any topic, you can always get me again at dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. And if you are interested in coaching, you can always go to evolutionary.men slash apply. We would love to work with you on transforming your sex and love life, whether you are single or in relationship. We specialize in both of those and we'd love to have you. (laughs) 